You've just tuned into Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Welcome back to Beyond Your Past. I'm your host, Matt Pappas, certified life coach specializing in overcoming anxiety and trauma recovery. And this podcast is all about helping you move forward from what holds you back. Each week, you'll hear from coaches, clinicians, and advocates who've overcome tremendous odds and are now using their journey to inspire you throughout yours. This is your place to feel validated and encouraged as you take your life back and live free from your past. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, greetings, my friend, and thanks so much for taking some time out of your day to tune into the show. And I hope that this episode inspires and encourages you on your own journey. Special welcome if you're listening to the podcast for the very first time. I hope that you'll enjoy it and perhaps consider checking out some other episodes as well. And for those who are regular listeners, you guys all rock. You're amazing. And I always appreciate the support so much. A big shout out to my amazing sponsors, INLPcenter.org, offering world-class online neuro-linguistic programming and life coach training to people in over 70 countries. I'm honored to be able to receive my certifications from INLP Center and utilize their research and incredible training programs. And to daily recovery support, interactive daily group calls in a safe atmosphere for survivors of complex trauma, equipping you with the skills and information you can use every single day in your healing journey. Learn more about this affordable resource and get signed up at cptsdfoundation.org. If you find these podcasts helpful, please consider subscribing and leaving a review on your favorite podcasting app. That would be awesome. So today I'm honored to welcome back a returning guest, Marnie Grundman, to the podcast. Marnie first joined me back on episode 21 in early 2017 during the early stages of ramping up her advocacy work on behalf of child and youth runaways. She is the author of Missing, A True Story of a Childhood Lost, which can be found on her website, martygrundman.com. Marnie herself was a runaway between the ages of 13 to 17 and knows firsthand the true struggles of living on the streets and the reasons why so many children run away from home each year and live on the streets alone, scared, hungry, and feeling like nobody cares or understands. Marnie has dedicated her life to raising awareness and funds for homeless and runaway children by sharing her message on news and media outlets all across Canada and North America. Her work with Covenant House will take her to 31 cities in 2019 to do sleepouts in order to raise awareness and money and give all who participate a glimpse into what living on the streets is like. During our chat, Marnie shares some of her story as a runaway, and now coming up on the 40th anniversary of her last run, she tells us of the wounds that are still fresh and the memories still clear, yet through it all and now looking back, she can see how far she's come and now has the skills to cope. She shares some of the true reasons that children run away and how it's not always the ones who live in poverty that run. The reasons are far more complicated than simply rebelling or looking for some adventure to go on. She tells us of the struggles of trying to overcome the stigma and change the way people think about runaways and so much more. All this during my chat with Marnie Grundman, starting right now. So, hey, Marnie, welcome back to the show. How are you? I'm great. Thanks for having me back. I'm so excited to talk to you. You were um, on Beyond Your Past back on episode 21 that back in February of 2017 that we were just talking about um, off the air. And I'm like, wow, has it been that long? Because I've been following your social media and the blog and all, all the work that you're doing. So I can't wait to hear about it. But for those who have not heard that uh, other podcast, which I will link in the show notes, please go ahead and take a couple of minutes and say hello and tell everybody who you are. 
my name is Marnie Grunman, and I am an author and an advocate for homeless youth, specifically kids who end up running away. Um, my mission in life is to destigmatize them so that we can focus on prevention and intervention. Absolutely. I love your message. And I remember um, when you when you first came on the podcast before, it was early on in your journey and in your work. And so many things have changed and so much has happened. And of course, for anybody who doesn't follow you, I would definitely encourage them. I will put links to your blog and all of your work and um, everything that you do in the show notes so they can check it out. So let's just kind of jump into a little bit here and share with us maybe a little bit um, about what's been happening over the last year and a half and how much things have changed with your work. So much has changed. I mean, I, I, I didn't expect to have so many people um, grab onto my story. And I did, I did realize that there was still a lot of stigma. I don't think I realized quite how much or where this path would lead me. I mean, I, I basically shared my story through my book and, and started um, giving interviews like this one. And it's, it's led into quite a, a career in, in speaking and, and advocacy and everything that, that I want to do. I just didn't realize this is where it was going to be. It's definitely been a very emotional journey, and I anticipate it will continue to be one. Um, just because, you know, when when you go through so much trauma and you're kind of um, making your way and, and, and reliving it and, and sharing it, it, it comes with that territory or that package. Right. So um, I, I wouldn't even know where to begin. It's just it's been it's been a, a, a tremendous, a tremendous year. And uh, I could not have anticipated all the people that I would get to know and reach and who reached out to me. Um, it's I'm rambling. <laughs> no, it, it's all good. Yeah. And I mean, it was kind of a broad question and, yeah. but you know, I mean, so, so you mentioned about the stigma and I know like being in, in the mental health world or the realm or whatever you want to say, there's always all kinds of stigma surrounding, you know, different types of struggles and backgrounds and what you've been through and, and where you're at currently and, and um, you know, the, the pace of your journey and all that kind of stuff. So, what and and you mentioned about the stigma that's still there. So maybe talk a little bit more about that and how you you know what you've encountered and how you're kind of trying to overcome that and change the way people are thinking or approaching or talking about um, you know runaways and uh, you know the struggles that you know you went through and and all of the organizations that you work with. I'm just you know I'm constantly continually surprised by people that will. Um, make references to, oh, you ran away from home, that must have been fun. Or um, people who still refer to kids who run away as, as habitual runaways, um, as if they're an issue and they're a problem, and not looking for what's most important, and that's why. I'm, I, if, if I repeat this one time, I repeat this a, a zillion times. I always ask people when they, when they ask me what, what I like to say are stupid questions, but I won't tell them that, of course. Um, <laughs> but it is a stupid question. I mean, think about this. You're asking somebody, uh, were there any fun times when you were on the streets? And in my, in my mind, wow, the really? inside voice, oh, yeah. Like, I mean, like, I mean, how, how is this even remotely like something that that would be fun, right? You would be, I get asked that question a lot. And I'm just like, I'm my inside voice, you know, the one that calms me down. Mm -hmm. I'm like, Oh, yeah, sure. 
you know, real fun. I was on a park bench. I had nothing to eat. I had no one to turn to, no protection. Yeah, great times. I had a real laugh. You know, they're, they're, they have this idea that when a child runs away from home, a teenager runs away from home, you know, they're going to party and they're going to have a great time, you know, and, and my, my question back to them is always the same one. Well, tell me, let, what would make you leave your house right now with no idea where you're going, no money, no plan, no nothing into the abyss? What would make you leave your bed, your bathroom, the meals in your refrigerator, just all of your conveniences and go sleep on that park bench? Tell, tell me what would make you stay there. And I ask it in a, in a, a way that is um, non-confrontative, you know, in, in a really thoughtful way, because mm-hmm. I don't want somebody to click off. I want them to tune in. And when I do that, most people, not all, <laughs> surprisingly, kind of take a step back and and they'll think about, you know, what that actually means and what that actually looks like. You know, when we think about homeless people, we think about um, people tend to think about an alcoholic or somebody who's schizophrenic or high on drugs. They're not looking at the big picture. I mean, we, ha- we have over, what is it? Um, 1.2 million children run away from home in North America every year. Mm-hmm. That's, that's a lot of kids. Mm-hmm. That's, you, you know, you, you need to start going, okay, well, what would make a child stay on a park bench and, and stay out in that life instead of running straight back home? Yeah. I mean, I would hope that everyone, you know, would kind of take that as to, wow, you know, this is something serious. And I mean, I've, I've talked to people, not, not directly about this topic, but uh, I've heard in passing or I've read things to where they almost did try and pass it off as some kind of an adventure. And, you know, I'm taking my life back and I ran away because my parents pissed me off and all these kinds of things. And we know that that's not the reason that probably 99.999% of kids run away, but somehow you're right. I guess people still sometimes feel that it was some kind of a good thing. And I'm, and I'm thinking it, it's such a, a heartbreaking thing. As you mentioned, over a million kids every year. I mean, that's just, it's a staggering number that almost takes your breath away. It's a staggering number. And, you know, I mean, yeah, that's, that's the picture we have Or you know, oh, I ran away from home and I took my life back and we're, you know, right. F authority kind of thing. And, 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 you know, that's, that's unfortunately alive and well. And part of the reason that that happens is because when you do ask a child who's in the running situation, what's happened, why are they running? They're not able to articulate the, their response. They're not able to, um, they've, they're, they would be kind of telling on themselves, one, the abuse they're experiencing is something they've grown up with. It's their normal. So they don't know that that's not happening in other households, even though to you and I, it would seem like common sense. It's not common sense. The second part of it is that they've been silenced. So running is their only way to kind of speak out. And they've been silenced in, in the most manipulative of ways in make, being made to feel bad and damaged and deserving of the treatment that they're receiving. There was a, a I, I heard a, a girl on TED actually talking about her work that she does with homeless youth, not having been someone who had ever been on the streets. And one of the girls that she talked to 
was asked several times by law enforcement, teachers, why are you running away? Why are you running away? Why are you running away? And she would say, well, I don't like my parents' rules. Finally, one person dug a little deeper and said, well, what are the rules? And this poor kid would get home from school, have to chain herself to the bathroom sink, would not be fed except for the meals she received at school, which meant all weekend long, no food. And that's where she lived in her house. Her parents' rules were that she was to be remain, was to remain tied to a bathroom sink. Oh, yet, my God. Yet hmm. until somebody asked the right question, she wasn't able to respond effectively. Wow. I mean, that's just, I mean, it's heartbreaking, but you are exactly right, especially I mean, as a child, you know, we're still trying to figure out life in general and, and what does it mean and who am I going to be when I grow up and, you know, going to school and, and all, all the things that, that kids should really only have to focus on the here and now and, and then, you know, kind of dream about what they want to do. But then, and, and, and it is difficult to, to answer questions like that because, you know, of, of all the factors you just said, and it isn't until somebody actually asks them the question that they can answer in a way that, resonates with them or that you're able or that they're able to that they can really um articulate what their life is like now and how much different than it is than everyone else's and we often just take for granted that they're gonna you know that they're just rebelling because they they don't want to have a curfew or they don't want to eat their vegetables or something that yeah. would be seemingly you know insignificant but in reality children are you know struggling every day and they have parents and caregivers who don't take care of them so Wow, I just, uh, I mean, the world needs your message, obviously, more than ever, as you mentioned right now. And for you, um, you are coming up on the 40th anniversary of the final run in your life that left you homeless for about a year and a half, right? So how yeah. how is, you know, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's got to be somewhat of a difficult time, right, to kind of, you know, remember that. And But I, I suppose many emotions all, all over the place of, you know, sadness and joy and all, you know, you know, being where you are now and being able to work. And to have a job and a place to live and and to advocate for all the kids that were in a situation like you were. But, of course, also heartbreaking that the problem is still as bad as it is. Yeah. And and in many cases, it's worth, worse just because of what we're dealing with in, in terms of human trafficking. And, mm -hmm. um, you know, kids on the streets are prime targets for that. And And as far as me, you know, this is the 40th anniversary and it's... I, I'm still kind of processing that information. It really didn't dawn on me until like about a month ago that this is this is this happened 40 years ago, and it, it's incredible how fresh some of the wounds still are. And that's a big part of the reason for what I why I'm doing what I do because uh, if we can intervene and we can help these kids who are running, give them a place to run to prevent them from ending up on the streets in the first place, they're not going to be 40 years from now, still picking up pieces that that were not put into place by them. And um, I anticipate this year that it's a very big year for me. And it, it's going to, it's going to be, be packed with a few struggles and, and probably a lot of triggers. And it's just, you know, it's par for the course. I think when we're aware of what's coming, it really helps us to get ahead of it and deal with it and, and just embrace the fact that we have to take care of ourselves better. Grieving is healthy and it's not something to feel guilty about and, and work through it in a really, I deserve to work through this sort of space.
Yeah, I mean, you you mentioned something so key, and of course, uh, you know, being uh, forty years for you, as you talked about, and for me, um, the the things that I went through happened between five and ten, and I'm forty seven now, so I'm kind of right around that same area of dealing with, I guess, perhaps the struggles or uh, remembering things based on certain times of the year for me, especially, mm-hmm. and just you know, like you mentioned, the wounds that that are still open and still just take. Um, you know, it's, it seems like an eternity to really ever heal, but, and e- even when you think you've kind of got it under control and, and you're on a bit of a roll and things are going Smack. good, <laughs> smacks you right in the head, like, oh my God, like, here's that feeling again. Or, or, you know, yeah. I saw something that, that, that triggered me. And, um, you know, I, it's, you're right. As you mentioned, the grieving process, it's huge. And then just understanding that, especially when it comes to, um, you know, different types of like uh, anniversary years, or as we talked about seasons or things that come up that can cause you to go right back there and be like, wow, I still got work to do, right? Well, that and and your body remembers. So mm-hmm. even before it comes up into your brain, your body remembers. You're, I mean, they've done studies upon studies of this. I don't need to read a study to know that that there's times where I'm reacting to to something and then I'll look at it, at the calendar and go, oh, that's why I feel the way that I do. It's really it's kind of interesting and and also frustrating at the same time. But the the good news on all of this, because you know, as people are listening, and there some will be at the beginning of their healing process, is it is so much better now, forty years later, five years later, ten years later, all the way through than it was in the beginning of this journey, when I first started like therapy and all of those things where I couldn't sleep at night and I couldn't control um, flashbacks and triggers. And it was just constant. The more you deal with the things that are, that are coming at you, um, the, the more you almost welcome them in and sort of process them, the less they have power and the less frequent those things will occur. So for the majority of my time for now, I'm, I'm not, I used to be triggered all the time. Like everything in my life was a trigger and I'm nowhere near that now. It's now more like a, it's a frustration and I don't love it, but you know, I deal with it kind of thing. Yeah. And, and, you know, it bears repeating and it's something I always try and keep in mind for myself and people I talk to and, you know, on the show is, you're right. I mean, life is so much better after you've been putting in the hard work of healing for, for so long and working through all of your stuff, as we like to say. And, but it doesn't mean that you're not going to struggle. And as you mentioned, when you feel a certain way, you're like, Oh, wait, what, you know, what month of this or what time of year is this? Or did something recently happen that might have brought on this feeling again? Having that kind of awareness of understanding that certain things. Um, you know, maybe on a yearly basis or even more can really kind of come back up. Um, you know, oftentimes around the holidays, of course, are a huge one or, um, anniversaries and birthdays, all kinds of stuff. But where you are now, obviously light years, um, away from where you were, but still understanding that sometimes stuff is going to come up, but it, it doesn't mean that you don't just say, well, if I'm struggling now and I'm going to struggle later, then I shouldn't just bother. I mean, that's exactly. like the worst exactly. thing to do. But I mean, you're right. Oftentimes though, we, we, we read about, and maybe even sometimes we struggle and kind of second guess ourselves of, well, yes, you know, I'm, I'm now, you know, decades older and I have more experience. I'm doing all these talks and these books and advocacy and all this stuff, but I'm still going to struggle. But so I have the tools now to deal with that struggle. Whereas before I didn't, and I think that's kind of the biggest part of it. 
Yeah. I, you know, I'm, I'm not in control of it all, but I'm much more in control of it, you know, and, um, I, I use it in a way to my benefit when I'm having those times I write about it, I share it and having the ability to at least touch people and know that I'm the bad thing that's happening. At least something good is coming from it has been really therapeutic for me. It's been incredibly helpful. Something else that you mentioned that we were, we were talking about uh, before the show started was coming to terms with loss over the, over the time um, you know, that you've been working on all of your advocacy work and doing the TED Talks and your book and everything with the Covenant Houses, which we'll get to here in a little bit. But share a little bit about the loss that you've encountered and how you're overcoming that and what that loss actually means for you. So there was an unanticipated loss. I knew, you know, back during the time where I started going to therapy in my 20s and I had to make decisions about um uh, family relationships and and whether or not I was going to continue having them, how I was going to address coming out to them, the things that that had happened that some of them knew about and some of them didn't. I I knew that I was risking the possibility of losing my entire family on my mother's side, and knowing that <clears throat> kind of helped. I did lose all of them, most of them anyway. Um, some have come back recently, but. But knowing that helped me kind of work through it while I was working through everything else, because I had a therapist who who was very experienced in what I was dealing with. What nobody tells you <laughs> when you decide to, decide to come out to the world about um, the child abuse you went through, in my case, about my time being homeless and and. Uh, running away from home repeatedly until it stuck was that all those people who have been really supportive and proud of me and sharing my message um, have not come from the place that I thought that they would. There have been an abundance of family members that I did have relationships prior to my telling my story um, that have watched silently. They haven't evaporated, but none of them have really reached out to me or most of them have not reached out to me or even so much as, you know, we live in this social media age, shared my my TEDx talk, which is this past year's, I think, biggest professional accomplishment I have. Um, none of them have shown that support that I really longed for and craved and thought would be there. And it's not only heartbreaking, but it's really, really common. And I didn't expect it. You know what nobody tells you, right kind of thing. And um, I don't know that I'm ever actually going to come to full terms with that because I don't understand it. And of course, I have the choice of reaching out and saying, hey, why is this? And, and maybe at some point I will when I feel strong enough to hear whatever the answers are in return. I suspect that some of it is out of their own discomfort, um, maybe feeling like they weren't there so that I wouldn't be where I am now or, or discomfort that they don't want other people talking about it, whatever it is, but it's really, really common. And I think it's important for us to talk about that because there are people that are beginning the journey that I started, what, two years ago now, three years ago. Um, and I, if I had known that I wouldn't have changed anything, but it would li- maybe have broken my heart a little less and and disappointed me a little bit less 
it's a huge thing to to have to deal with because I I think I and I, I don't have stats on this, but I'm imagining a lot of people who are doing this the type of work that you are, that I am, that anybody who is speaking out on behalf of any cause or any situation or anything. They, they have to experience this, I would think, and, and to some degree as well. And you're right. I mean, part of it might be that, uh, you know, people just don't maybe resonate with it or, or, or they don't know how to approach you. So they just stay silent. So I'm sure that that's part of it. People who don't have any ill intentions, they just, you know, can't relate and they don't want to say something out of turn or hurt your feelings. So they just stay silent. And I get that, um, obviously, but then there are those, uh, you know, as you mentioned that, you know, likely, are not supporting or sharing your passion or, or, or doing anything to encourage you uh, for any number of other reasons. And it is, it's heartbreaking. I've noticed um, that there have been people in my life who I thought would be like, yeah, you know, let's go, Matt. Like, I'm so proud of you. I'm so happy for you. You know, you're, you're doing this and you're helping people and, and you've overcome so much and it's like crickets and then <laughs> you get right. And, and I don't know that I was really counting on anybody, Marnie, necessarily in a way, but I was kind of hoping that there would be certain people. And, and I guess I should clarify there, there, there are some that are obviously supporting me in that way. Yeah. Um, you know, you know, that, that I anticipated in the beginning, but there are some that aren't. And I, I guess you're right. Maybe I don't want to say that we should be jaded, like kind of going in with this, but it is a bit yeah. of a reality that there's going to be a number of reasons, um, that people don't share and support you for something that you thought, you know, that they would be in your corner for. Yeah. I mean, the, the people that you love the most that supposedly love you the most, um, aren't there. And it, it, it wasn't, it's just, I just didn't anticipate anything. I naturally thought, you know, people are sharing my message. I get written some of, uh, the most beautiful notes from people I've never met before. And yet the people that I thought would be there and had no expectation of just thought would be there are, are really not. And it, you know, it creates a, a sense of isolation and loneliness and it's extremely, it's painful and it's frustrating. And I know that there are some other advocates out there that I see their posts and right around the holidays is usually when these posts occur where they're writing about that very same thing. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, wow, you just articulated exactly what my life is right now. And I mean, a portion of my life because it, it's not painful enough or distressing enough to alter my path in any way. It, it, it's not, it's not going to change what I'm doing because what I'm doing now is, is filling my life. And, and I know that I'm in exactly the place where I'm supposed to be. I just wish that I had them along on the ride with me. That's all. Yeah, no. And you're exactly right. And on the flip side, the people that you have met, you know, those letters that you mentioned that you get the emails and, and the people that you meet um, along the way. And for me, when I first started writing uh, for my blog, surviving my past back several years ago, I had no idea that I was going to meet, you know, that, that I was mm -hmm. going to to meet people who who would even, you know, remotely have any idea what I was going through. Because, of course, I thought I was isolated and alone and nobody ever went through the things that I went through. But now, you know, just the support you get from total strangers and then those people follow you and they support you and you realize you're not alone and it's amazing and it's awesome. And I'm so glad for everybody that's ever 
you know, supported my work. And I'm sure you are so unbelievably grateful for the people that support you, but it still stings and hurts. And there's that ache or that confusion maybe is probably the biggest thing as to why those who we thought would be kind of there to help us jumpstart never showed up. So Yeah. Yeah. Confusing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> sort of. Anyway, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. So, okay. So tell us a little bit about, cause you said this is the 40th anniversary as we talked about, and now you're doing, um, some work with the, with the uh, 31 covenant houses around you. So tell us like what that is and, and what you're doing and how people can get involved and all that good stuff. So we are at the very beginning. Um, I haven't actually made the formal announcement, but this can be a part of it, which is perfectly fine. Um, a couple of months ago, I, as I was taking stock into what was coming up this year, uh, I was trying to figure out what I could do that would bring the most awareness and attention to kids who end up on the streets and do the most good at the same time, not just share the message, but actually um, have it, have see the a direct benefit from it. And so, you know, there's people who do like they walk across the country for a charity or run across the country or, you know, a chain of people holding hands and, you know, all these different things that we do to bring awareness, the marches, for example. And I thought, well, I mean, Covenant House's thing, their their main fundraiser is sleeping out um, with the intention of giving people a taste of what it's like to be living rough, sleeping rough for a night. Um, so what better way to draw attention to the great work that Covenant House does, sensitize people to what happens to kids on the streets, and also raise funds at the same time, I decided that I'm going to sleep out for all 31 Covenant Houses across um, six countries in 2019. I'm hoping to raise $15,000 per house. And we're also creating a documentary of the journey um, to to show people um, what the different covenant houses provide, what what challenges they face in different areas in terms of, of you know the city they're in, the the country they're in, and also um, kind of share with them the impact that having lived on the streets had on my life, and how we really need to strive to ensure that other children don't suffer that same fate. It sounds like an incredible opportunity and I haven't looked, but I will, I, I will check out uh, the information on Covenant House. But if there's one anywhere near where I am, I will oh, be out there because I will definitely check it out. There's two. I'll, I'll be Is in there? touch. Yes. There's oh, two. <laughs> I, I will be there like seriously. Yeah. So yes, I will, I will get with you afterwards through email and stuff, but it, yeah. it sounds amazing. And so. Um, you know, having, having done this before, right. You know, I mean, maybe not on the scale, but having done, um, sleep outs before and, and, and working with these, with these, uh, charities and, uh, organizations, what is the response for those that participate? I mean, I has to, it has to be, I would imagine pretty intense, right? Um, it is. And, and for a couple of different reasons, it's intense in, in terms of, yeah, they're sleeping out and, and most of them kind of get, well, when these kids are on the streets, they're not sleeping out in a group of people, you know, with, with a table full of food and, right. and security and all the things that we have. I want people to, to participate in the sleep outs. And of course, Kevin and House does too. So it, it's, it's done in a way that, um, you know, safety first and, and all of that sort of thing. But even though we have all of those, um, you know, 
trimmings and we know when we wake up in the morning that uh, we're, we know where our meal is coming from and everything. It's definitely not lost on people that these children are out there alone experiencing that. The other part of what happens is there's typically a tour of the house for the sleep out, the sleepers. Um, there are some breakout sessions where they get to talk to um, current residents of the house and kids that, that are, that come back to give back to the houses and the the impact is is so tremendous that they then will not only continue to be involved in Covenant House but bring other people in. There's really no better tool to to show what they're doing than exposing people to the the full experience. And they do an incredible job. And to to date, they've they have served over a million children. Um, that it's just incredible wow. what, what they what they have done and what they continue to do. And they're eighty percent privately funded, so they they really need us and and they they operate that way so that they have the ability to to write their own programs out and and to tweak things to meet the needs of the children in real time. And ninety three cents on on the dollar goes to the programs, goes directly to the kids. So it, it's really evident that everything for them is about impacting these children and giving them choices and, and a bright future. And that's exactly what they've been accomplishing. It sounds amazing. And I will definitely help spread the word through, through, through the show notes here in the blog post. And, uh, you know, you know, like I said, feel free to tag me anytime you do this on social media, cause I will definitely send that back out. Cause I, I think it's an incredible, um, you know, just uh way, way, as you mentioned, to really kind of bring, to like real time. I mean, even if it's for a day or a night to get the experience of what people go through every single day. And of course, especially children who, um, you know, just have no idea what's going on and they're afraid and they're upset and lonely and angry and so many things. So I think it's amazing. I can't wait to help you out with it. Um, the last thing that, that I want to cover here yet is, so you mentioned about your Ted talk, which is so awesome and I, I'm so happy <laughs> for you. So like, tell us what was it like in terms of maybe what you talked about a little bit and of course where, where people can find it to check it out. So, um, well, my TEDx talk is on the TEDx YouTube channel and mm-hmm. they can just find it through my name, uh, Marnie Grunman. And the talk is um, entitled nothing bad happens behind pretty doors. And Basically, what I share is the fact that we have this idea that children who are being abused don't live in nice places. Um, we have this idea that children who end up running away from homes are running from, you know, I- impoverished households and educated households. Um, and the fact is that that child abuse doesn't know or care what kind of house you live in, what kind of car you drive, whether you pay for your groceries with food stamps or or cash. It knows no boundary. And and the problem with having this mindset that, you know, if it's a pretty house, nothing bad can be happening is those children are the ones who really fall through the cracks because they're looked upon as being spoiled and entitled. And, oh, my God, how could you put your parents through that and run away from such a beautiful home that behind closed doors may be a house of horrors? Um, so that that was that's really the bulk of what I talk about. And I also always highlight all homeless people and how isolating that is and how just giving a moment of our time, even if we don't have any change to give 
or any any food to give them in that moment to at least acknowledge that that's a human being rather than just walking by them that moment that you make eye contact and at least smile or connect or or explain i i'm sorry i don't have anything today but you know anything anything just acknowledgement might be the moment that that person was thinking of their life is not worth going on anymore because they're so invisible and worthless which is how we treat them when we walk by not realizing that that's the message that we're sending um so that that really was the my whole message there and and i was i have to say i was really proud of how it it came out it was the first time that i really rehearsed what I say and and how I was going to deliver it to a great degree because I'm used used to just sharing my story. It's my story. I know it and it's natural, but I wanted to make sure that I didn't miss out on any of the points that were really important to get across. Yeah, definitely. So what's been the response to it? Have you gotten a lot of feedback from perhaps people or um, organizations about it? Um, I've got, I've gotten a lot of feedback from just individual people, people that find me that I've never heard of in my life, which is really, <laughs> really so neat, you know, for all different reasons, um, either to tell me that now they don't walk by homeless people. I had a lady the other day who sent me a message and she said, I want you to know that every day on my way to work, when I see a homeless person, I offer them something to eat. I go get them what they want. And now two people in my office are doing the same. Um, that was my favorite response of all <laughs> and others like it. Um, and the other thing is now that I've been approached by other organizations to come and speak for them. I'm being flown into Saskatchewan to speak um, for child find in, in May. Um, there's been several other organizations that have re- reached out to me and, and those ones have been with also a focus of speaking to educators and law enforcement and social workers, which will help them being in, in helping kids who are running and change the language surrounding that so that we all become more sensitive and start serving the children and the family unit that needs to be repaired rather than, you know, demonizing the kids and and embracing you know the the adults who are responsible for what's happening in the first place i got to share something with you here just real quick and that is like i have a or my youngest son who is almost going to be 17 um several years ago he had um for i think it was his birthday he got a gift card to mcdonald's from one of his friends or something and you know he had, it was for like 25 dollars and he had used just a little bit of it And we were coming out of the parking lot and he saw uh, a homeless gentleman standing on the corner holding up a sign. And I I instantly like I was sitting at a stoplight at an intersection and he just like opens the door, runs over and gives his card to this guy. And this Uh guy gave him a hug. And the guy just, you know, started obviously walking towards McDonald's. But ever since then, every time he sees somebody homeless, he wants to give them something. And so it just resonated when you when you said that. Oh my God. I know. Right. And, and it's something that it's one of my most, uh, things that I, I I'm so proud of him for is, you know, it, as you mentioned, we, we may not always have any cash or change or something to give or, you know, a gift card that we can share. But I think even just going up and shaking their hand or saying hello, or just you know, letting them know that somebody's not just passing them by can be so encouraging in so many ways. So I just, I had to share that because it came to my head when you mentioned about your talk. I love so. that. <laughs> I love, I mean, this is, that's the reason I do what I do, right? That that's mm-hmm. a big part of the reason is so that people 
like your son, you know, obviously you've raised him to be a really sensitive um, young man to, to recognize that somebody was in need and, and, and give what was his birthday gift of all things. Right. Right. Um, and, yeah. and I it's think so cool. that I, I do see one thing I want to say is I do see that, that people are, are becoming more involved and, and people are raising their children to have more awareness um, you know, it's just we do have pockets of people that that it, you don't know what you don't know. So if you haven't been exposed to certain things, it's just incredibly foreign to them. Right. Mm-hmm. And so even though I get angry at some questions, I also remind myself, you know, it's easy for me to get angry at that question because I know that experience and and not everybody does. So it, it's our job to give them a piece of that so that they're able to then do something better and, and, and have a better understanding and hopefully pass that message along as well. Perfect way to wrap up this podcast, Marty. This has been great. I'm so glad that you were able to come back on here and give us some updates of where things are going and and talk about the uh, sleep outs that you have coming up for 2019. Um, again, I'll put all that stuff in the in the show notes so everybody can check it out and hopefully come out to one of your events if there's one close to where they are. So before we go, though, um, let everybody know where they can find uh, more information about you, the work you're doing, the sleep outs, your book, all that good stuff. Okay. So, well, I'm obviously, as you know, I'm on all social media, um, Twitter, Facebook, LinkedIn, uh, and Instagram. Just search my name, Marnie Grunman. And my website has all of the links and all of my, uh, it has my TED Talk and all of my um, interviews as well. Uh, that's www.marnie, M-A-R-N-I-E, Grunman, G-R-U-N-D-M-A-N.com. Thanks for listening to Beyond Your Past, part of the Mental Health News Radio Network. Information shared on this podcast is intended for educational and informational purposes only and is not a substitute for or supersedes professional medical help or mental health counseling. Thank you again to my sponsors, INLPcenter.org and Daily Recovery Support. I hope you'll consider checking them out as they've joined forces to help keep the lights on here at the podcast and help Beyond Your Past reach as many as possible with a message of hope. If you'd like to learn more about working with me as your coach, or if you're curious about what life coaching is and how it might be right for you, then head on over to beyondyourpast.com and claim your free one-hour session where we can talk about the struggles in your life in the areas of anxiety and trauma recovery and see if coaching might be a great fit for you. Thanks again for listening, and I do hope that you'll subscribe to the podcast, leave a review, and share it with all your friends. See you next time.